Welcome to episode 20 of Defenders of the Bank with Philly and The Scarf. We are calling today's episode Seattle Grunge. And grunge indeed. We had the boys in black and gold go up to Seattle and play a eh kind of a game. But more on that later. Episode 20 of Defenders of the Bank is about to begin. And we're going to start it out actually with a memorial service for one of our segments. More on that in just a second. We're going to then transition into Scarf segment, This Day in LAFC. We're going to talk about our game recap against the Seattle Sounders. We're going to highlight our wait... What? Segment of the show. And of course, we're going to talk about our tailgate May the 4th against the Chicago Fire. But without further ado, episode 20 of Defenders of the Bank. And as I mentioned earlier, there is a memorial service. You know, we listen to our our fans out there and we've constantly heard that they're big fans of what we do. And we certainly appreciate that. But there's one segment in particular that hasn't exactly gotten kudos. Right, Scarf? Yeah, you know, it. look, it brings out the nerd in me as it does you from time to time, the wrestling fan, the Mets fan, all kinds of stuff. But it looks like this will be the final podcast where we will have our birthday segment. That's right. This will be the last time where you get to hear me say something like, happy birthday to Oscar Schindler or happy birthday to Harper Lee. I won't reference any more wrestlers. I won't reference any more Mets. I won't reference... Really, anybody else in this segment. However... What about about heavy metal artists? Oh, as much as I want to reference that, we're not going to do that anymore either. But if there is an LAFC birthday in the horizon, we're certainly going to bring back this segment. But for now, a moment of silence for our now-dead segment of the birthdays. All right, enough of that. So, Scarfy, why don't you kick us off with this day in LAFC? That's right. This day in LAFC history, we are recording this episode on April 28th, right after the Seattle game. We left the Iron Triangle, which we'll talk about in a little bit, came back to Monster Studios here in beautiful Burbank, California, and we are recording this on April the 28th, 2019. A little bit of LAFC history. Let's talk about yesterday real quick. In 2018, Los Angeles City Council officially named April 27th LAFC Day, which was great. There was a whole thing in the city council chambers. They gave each of the council people their own LAFC jersey with their names inscribed on the back. Well, this day in LAFC history, yesterday on the 27th of 2019, we marked our second annual LAFC Day with a sandwich drive hosted at Bank of California Stadium. They partnered with Hashtag Lunch Bag to make as many sandwiches for the homeless as possible. That was this day in LAFC history, yesterday, April 27th. Today, April 28th, 2019, of course, we did make some history and we'll talk more about that game a little bit later. But April 29th, tomorrow, many of you will be listening to this tomorrow on the way to work or on the way to the gym or on the way home, whatever it might be. And of course, or tomorrow on the way back from the bars or that, back from that's Seattle. Right. April 29th, 2018, one of the most important days of LAFC history, the first home game at Bank of California Stadium, the Laurent Simon free kick goal in the 93rd minute, so three minutes into stoppage time, the one nothing win against Seattle, six saves for Tyler Miller. Of course, it was also the debut of the 32-52 at home in the bank in their fantastic safe standing area. It was also the formal opening of LAFC headquarters, and it was also the one-year birthday 
of Ali. And not to mention, since it was the opening of the LAFC headquarters, the store, that was also the death of my wallet. <laughs> I spent an awful lot of money in that store. But anyway. So there you go. That's uh, this day in LAFC history. That's for the 27th, 28th, and 29th of April. Hopefully you enjoyed this trip down memory lane. But it's time to talk about a game that we're going to want to kind of erase from the memory banks as soon as we can. Right, Philly? Oh, absolutely. It was a tough game. But you mentioned 32-52, and I wanted to bring something up real quick. We mentioned in previous podcasts that throughout the course of the season for the away games, we would end up going to different parties held by different supporters groups. And today is really the first time we really went out there together. Now, I've gone to some parties, Scarf's gone to some parties, but collectively as a whole, Defenders of the Bank combined forces, and we ended up going to Iron Triangle to celebrate with Black Army and with the crew. Right, Scarf? Yeah, it was a great day in terms of the atmosphere. Obviously, Iron Triangle Brewing is fantastic. I got to go out there earlier for a crew event earlier this year. It's an incredible space. The TV they have there, it's a massive pull-down, high-definition screen. Really cool. They had drink specials there, 50% off a lot of their drinks in the cases, which was awesome. They had $6 beer specials the whole time at Iron Triangle. The people that work at Iron Triangle couldn't have been nicer. Obviously, our hosts, both Jimmy and Hank, the people that run Black Army 1850 and the crew were great. And the 3252. 3252 were awesome. I got to tell you, too, Black Army, the drum crew from Black Army. Uh, that Jimmy was and awesome. Cassie. Yeah, Jimmy and Cassie. And I don't know, there was a third drummer too. If you are that third drummer, please hit us up at Instagram at Defenders of the Bank because we would love to give you a shout out too. You were awesome. So three drummers. They had all these little kids running around with drumsticks at the start, you know, little capos in training, which was awesome <laughs> to see them out there. A, a great atmosphere at Iron Triangle. I just wish the game lived up to the atmosphere. I agree. And LAFC came into this game as the underdog. I read this on Angels on Parade, and I thought to myself, how the heck did the Vegas bookies declare us the underdog? I mean, the Sounders came off of, what, three games? This is their third game in a week. They came out with more players on the injured list. I just don't understand what these Vegas bookies were smoking. Clearly, they've been hanging out and smoking that Maui Wowie, but you know that was a story with them. We rolled into the game first place, the best in the West and the best in the MLS, coming in leading most offensive categories, but we weren't fully healthy as far as our roster is concerned. We had Stephen Bateshore, who was questionable with left knee soreness. Typically, his backup, Danilo Silva, was unavailable because he had a hamstring strain. And as far as the rest of our injury list is concerned, you know, we had Dio still with that hamstring strain that he suffered against DC United. We had Fito Zelaya, who was questionable, but not necessarily on the injured list. There was video of him training earlier in the week, so that's hopeful. Perhaps he's going to feature at some point this season. And as far as the definitive list, as far as out's concerned, we already highlighted Silva, Alejandro Guido, quad strain, and Javi Perez, groin strain. Not on the list, not on any kind of list, though, which I found kind of interesting, is Andre Horta. Yeah, he was on the missing persons list, I think, for this game. Not sure what's going on with Andre Horta, obviously our third DP. We've gotten as much as we can this season out of our first two DPs, obviously one of the favorites, if not the favorite for MVP in Carlos Vela. And honestly, a guy who would get a lot of talk on any other team as the MVP if he had his way, Diego Rossi. We're incredibly lucky to get the best production, in my opinion, out of our top two DPs of any team in the MLS. But we have gotten nothing 
this year for Andre Horta. And I know some of the fans' patience is growing a little thin with Andre Horta, but the kid is super young and super talented. We just haven't seen much of it on the pitch for LAFC. Look, Diego Rossi is super young and super talented, and we've gotten an awful lot out of him. I'm with you, and I'm with the fans whose patience out there is is starting to be questions. I roll into LAFC headquarters, and I'll see Carlos Vela's jersey on sale. I'll smile. Latifs, I'll smile. Lee Wynn, I'll smile. I really would love to see Tyler Miller's jersey up there for sale. But when I see Horta's jersey, I think to myself, I and I feel bad for anybody who wants to, unless they're you know Benfica fans or from Portugal. But you know, I see that jersey right now as a waste of space. I want to see Hort to do well. We're paying this guy a seven-figure salary, and he hasn't produced bupkis for us except a goal that the Galaxy ended up scoring in the first El Tráfico match at the bank last year. But this isn't an Andre Hort debasing session. Again, I want to see him succeed, and I know we all want him to succeed. But enough about that. Let's get in. Bob Bradley sets up his typical 4-3-3 formation, as per usual. In net, we've got Tyler Miller making his first start of the season, his first official game of the season. We had Tristan Blackman coming in for Stephen Bateshore. We had Walker Zimmerman, Eddie Segura, and Jordan Harvey completing that back line. In the midfield, we had Mark Anthony Kay, Edward Atuesta, and Latif Blessing. Our forwards, Diego Rossi, Christian Ramirez, and Carlos Vela. And on our bench, Mohamed El Manir, Lee Wynn, your boy, three umlauts, Nico. Hamalainen. Josh Perez, Peter Lee Vassal, Pablo Cisniega, and LMU's Adrian Perez. Scarf, what did Seattle look like today? Well, you know, Seattle came in in a, a little bit of an atypical formation, 4-2-3-1. Look, one of the things that I also wanted to talk about real quick about Seattle is how injured they were. They've got a player that I would pay to go see. I talked about him in our last podcast when it came to the 4-1 victory over the Sounders at Bank of California Stadium. That team was really missing Raul Rui Diaz. They were also missing Chad Marshall on the back line. And again, no Chad Marshall to be found and even a few more starters on the injured list. So, you know, you had Seattle coming out in a 4-2-3-1, Jordan Morris really pushing up forward throughout the course of the entire game. You know, they have Stefan Fry back in goal. We're all very familiar who Stefan Fry is. He gifted us a win at the opener at Bank of California Stadium last year. Kim Kihis, who is going to be gaining no friends after these last two games, a couple of hard <laughs> fouls the first game. This game, you could have argued that he, he was worthy of a red or a second yellow during the course of the game. Roman Torres, I have to tell you, I've got a lot of respect for Roman Torres. I loved the line about Roman Torres. Unfortunately, I don't like to give Taylor Twelman credit for anything, so I'm not going to say he's the one that said it. But he basically said running into a Roman Torres is like running into a food truck, which you know really makes you think that guy is super sturdy out there. I would not want to run into Roman Torres. Brad Smith, who I think you could argue might have been Seattle's player of the game, if not for the Jordan Morris goal, which we'll talk about in, oh, about 30 seconds. And then they had Leardom, Lodiero, and Roldan, Christian Roldan. They get to play a fun game in Seattle called Name That Roldan. Hmm. We have Name That Perez here on LAFC. And then Jordy Dellum, Jordan Morris, Hanwal Abana, and Harry Ship, who we were all very familiar with after the last game, rounding out the lineup for the Sounders. Yeah, and this is a team that's coming into the week with two losses. I mean, we shellacked them, meaning us, LAFC, beat them 4-1 to at the bank last week. They had a really tough come-from-behind tie against a very much improved San Jose Earthquakes team. I'm really bummed that San Jose couldn't bury these guys, but the clink is really a tough place to play. Almeida's team was lucky to walk out of there with the point. But as far as the starting lineup is concerned, there were a couple notable absences from last week 
week's starting lineup. Svensson was also out of the game with a hamstring injury. And Rodriguez with concussion protocol. But let's get to the game, Scarf. What happened in that first minute? You know, I think you and I, as we were looking back on the first half, and I'm not going to do a full first half recap in the first 30 seconds of our game recap, but... We were looking, and we'll talk about the second great pass, but really LAFC had such a hard time connecting passes together after the fourth minute. But I have to say, one of the prettiest passes that I've seen really since the Andre Horta back pass to the Carson Galaxy, Eddie Segura, who, by the way, welcome to the first mistake that Eddie Segura has made in the black and gold. That guy has been... Between him and Atuesta, it's hard to say who the most underrated player, maybe even in the entire MLS is right now, let alone just on LAFC. But Eddie Segura has been the difference, in my opinion, for what our back line has looked like this year versus what our back line looked like last year. Eddie Segura, a pinpoint pass to Jordan Morris of the Seattle Sounders, who was able to walk in and put it past Tyler Miller after 46 seconds of action, the second fastest goal in Seattle Sounders history. And just like that, we had just gotten our first beer at Iron Triangle. The drums had just started up from Black Army. And before we even had a chance to finish the first line of the first chant, Seattle was up one nothing. And it wasn't even that. Just watching ESPN, I mean, you could see like the lineups scrolling on the bottom of the screen. They weren't even halfway through Seattle's starting lineup when Morris punched that goal in past Tyler Miller. But I'll tell you this, if you weren't in your seats or if you weren't in front of the TV within the first six minutes of the game, then you, my friend, basically missed all the goal scoring that happened during this game. Because right after that first minute faux pas that we had where Eddie Segura had an amazing assist... We came right back within the fourth minute. We are prize fighters. We are a great team. And as prize fighters, we don't just sit there and take punches. We punch back. And three minutes after that goal, we came out attacking. Diego Rossi pressed down the field and connected with Carlos Vela to tie the game at 1-1. Vela registers his 11th goal of the season. And Diego Rossi registers his 7th assist of the season. And the tide corrects itself and justice is served. Yeah, one thing I want to say about that play too is we would see that exact same play again in the 48th minute of the game, except this time it wasn't Rossi to Vela, it would be blessing to Christian Ramirez. We'll talk about that in a second, but I really would have hoped that Christian would have taken notes on how to finish a ball two feet in front of the goal like Carlos Vela did. He slid into the goal with the ball, looked absolutely beautiful doing it. His hair, of course, perfectly in place throughout the entire time that he scored that 11th goal. The passing from Diego Rossi, I mean, come on. This guy puts it on a dime every single time he lays it in there. Our team leader in assists, one of the MLS leaders in assists for Diego Rossi. Just another reason why I'm so worried he is going to get snatched up by some European team after the end of this season. You know, another thing, too, is we saw Eddie Segura bounce right back. This kid is 21 years old, and he is playing like a veteran all-star caliber player and just his first full season in the MLS. So kudos to Eddie Segura for coming right back, for playing hard. Look, a lot of 21-year-old kids, they would have let that mistake get them down. They would have let that mistake take them out of the game. But if anything, it just ramped up his level of intensity for the rest of the game. 
Look, most 21-year-old kids are excited that they finally get to legally drink. That's what most 21-year-olds are doing. <laughs> Eddie Segura, on the other hand, is playing professional football, and I, you got to respect that. Now, look, this game really was a game that was a matter of inches in, in several different circumstances. I mean, we had several key crosses that had they connected, we would have ended up bashing the Sounders back line. And wouldn't we we wouldn't be talking about a one one draw. Yep. I mean K in the eighth minute nearly got himself another assist as he passed a floater through the outstretched legs of Diego Rossi. Again, a matter of inches. But here's where things started getting frustrating to me. Fouls started piling on. Latif gets fouled by Nicholas Ladero. And right after that, boom, jaundice card by Kim Kihi. Then life gets interesting. Roman Torres fouls Christian Ramirez. And then we have a tussle. And I got to say something. Mark Anthony K. I don't know how many hockey fans there are out there, but I'm going to reference Ty Domi. Ty Domi was a <laughs> badass. Yes, I said it, a badass. He was out there to protect his teammates. And anytime something happens where any of the LAFC players gets knocked down, Mark Anthony K. is in there backing his boys up. And I absolutely love seeing that kind of passion. But through that tussle, we had a lot of interesting situations that occurred, didn't we, Scarf? Yeah, you know, we had Eduardo Tuesta come in, and he was kind of getting in the fracas a little bit. Ultimately, look, it was a lot of guys kind of pushing and shoving and posturing with each other. But, you know, the red card was handed out in the 18th minute to Christian Roldan. Look, there's a difference to me between the letter of the law and the intent of the player and I don't think what happened in that would have warranted a straight red card. I would have thought a yellow might be appropriate in that situation. What happened was, you know, Roldan kind of gesturing and shoving a little bit, trying to get Mark Anthony K away. Uh, Twesta barrels in to the pack that's there, kind of instigating a little bit more physical contact. And in that coming into the fracas there, Christian Roldan kind of flails his left arm and... I'm using air quotes, catches Eduardo Tuesta in the eye it or across the it. face. What are you talking about? I, I, think, I don't think that was an eye gouge. It was I, an eye gouge. I mean, in the NBA, that's like a full-on fight. Like, we never get to see that stuff in the NBA anymore. But, look, I, I get it. The letter of the law says that anything up above the shoulders is supposed to be looked at with red card possibility. I didn't think they deserved it, but I'm not one to turn down a gift of a red card. So we were playing... One man up for the next 60, 70 minutes or so after the whole thing was taken care of. And, you know, apparently I read some report where abusive language was a factor in the red card as well, which, look, if that was the case, that was the case. I get it. There's certain things that you can't say to people, but not sure it was a red. But then again, in the 22nd minute, look, I, I called on this very podcast for Tristan Blackman to have been the guy to start on that back line, maybe instead of Shaft Brewer or Nico Hamalainen. And Tristan got the start today, and he didn't look great, especially through the first 25, maybe 30 minutes of the game. Just four minutes after the red, Blackman out of position, and we're lucky. It could have been 2-1 Seattle right after Seattle earns the red. Yeah, no doubt. In the 24th minute, Tristan Blackman actually almost connected with Carlos Vela, but Vela's shot towards the bottom left corner of the goal gets saved by Stefan Fry. And, I mean, Tristan Blackman, 
He was superior as far as my opinion is concerned in the Vissel Kobe game, but he definitely looked a step out of touch with the rest of the team. But little tick for tat. We progress right along. Diego Rossi had another shot towards the right side of the box. Missed to the right. 31st minute, we have a foul by Kihi. Free kick by Atuesta, but something I always love to say is his shot did not have enough mustard. He basically broke through the wall, but passed the ball to the hands of Stefan Fry. And... The 42nd minute, I will say something about Tristan Blackman. Not only did he get his first start of the season, he also registered his first yellow card of the season right then and there. And for the most part, that's how the first half ends. LAFC won, Seattle won, and it was a frustrating half to begin with. I mean, not only did Seattle bring in their B team, but they carried on with one man less, and it was beyond frustrating. For those of you who play pickup soccer, pickup basketball, sometimes you play against really, really good talent, and all of a sudden your skills get heightened to a level that you're not even aware of. But sometimes you play a bunch of people that aren't very good. In this case, I'm sorry to say it was the Sounders, and your skill level happens to come down. And with Seattle's B team, with one man down, we still couldn't register a second goal within that first half. And I said the game was frustrating. And a couple of minutes into the second half, this is where my blood started boiling. Yeah, you know, after halftime, Bob saw something, obviously, and made the substitution. I I think you saw what I was talking about. There were actually two or three different times where Tristan Blackman was a little out of position. In the 26th, he basically gave a ball away that allowed a guy to walk through. And Bob must have seen, you know, something similar to that effect because at the half, it was Lee Wynn coming on for Tristan Blackman. And I have to say, his passing, his movement in space, we saw the team start to move the ball a little bit better. But on the first possession of the second half, Jordan Morris makes a great run down the left side of the field, almost creating a goal there. Nothing came of his run, but... We're talking about a team down a man who immediately comes out attacking with Jordan Morris on the wing. That kid, he gave everything he had out there on the pitch today. But in the 47th minute, just two minutes after the opening whistle, Edward Atuesta, a beautiful run cut through two defenders, put, as you like to say, a lot of mustard on it, but unfortunately hit it right over the crossbar. And then that leads to our wait. What? Moment of the game in the 40th. Eighth minute. I'm not sure if it's physically possible to miss the goal by as much as Christian Ramirez missed the goal from as close as he was. Again, we talked about this was a carbon copy of the play that had worked earlier in the game from Diego Rossi to Carlos Vela. Latif blessing a beautiful run, a great through ball, and somehow from not even a yard or two out. He puts it over the crossbar, Philly? I'm listening to the game on playback because we I couldn't hear the announcers at Iron Triangle because Black Army was killing it as far as the chants are concerned. But the announcer said it was an extraordinarily jaw-dropping miss. And that was the storyline. Frustration. Absolute frustration. I am not the biggest fan of Taylor Twellman, but I have to agree with something that he said. He said it was more difficult to miss that shot than to actually score. 
I think our fifth co-host could have easily put that in. Schmitty McMittens would have just headbutted that sucker into the net, and we could have gone up two to one. Schmitty's a cat. Schmitty's my cat, yes. He could have punched that goal in. I don't want to hate on people. I love our team. I try to keep things positive, but... That was such a frustrating situation. It really was a textbook, beautiful connection, a game of ping pong, a pinball, whatever you want to call it. Christian Ramirez could have definitely looked like Superman as far as this play was concerned. But 47th minute, he somehow manages to kick it over the top crossbar in a situation that most people could have ended up scoring it. Yeah, and it was a pretty boring next 10 minutes or so after that play, although we got to watch it on replay over and over and over again on Iron Triangle. It was the ESPN game of the weekend there. And then in the 59th minute, Jordan Harvey gave it a go from about 30 yards outside the box. Yeah, he did. And why not? I mean, look, he had a great look at it. Perfect angle, just curled over the crossbar. Look, he saw Walker Zimmerman do it a few games ago and thought, look, I've been doing this a lot longer than Walker has. I might as well tee it up. Got a lot on it, and I say it all the time when we're sitting there in Founders Club, I would much rather have teams shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. Look what happened in our first game at Bank of California Stadium. Laurent Simon took the shot. Should Stefan Fry have saved it? Yeah, I'm sure he would tell you he should have saved it 99 times out of 100. We just happened to be that 100 times. So Jordan took a great run at it. All kinds of chances, though, Philly, in the next five minutes from about the 60th to the 64th. A little bit of this and a little bit of that, and that takes us into the 75th minute where I'd say Seattle had one of their better chances after their first goal, of course, where Ladero took a stab at our boy Tyler Miller, but he was there to punch the ball out of bounds. Yeah, he got a couple of fingers on it. A great save again by Tyler Miller. And that was just after Mohamed El-Manir had come in in the right about 70th, 71st minute or so. So we had used two of our subs. Christian Ramirez had another chance right before that, too, on a ball in from Diego Rossi. In the first half, he had a chance on a ball, and he had what it looked like my hops out there, which is not a good thing. The second ball, he did a little jump kick there, just couldn't quite get to it. And then that brings us, of course, to what you were just talking about with the Lodiero ball that just went high. A great run right after that, though, by Diego Rossi in the 76th minute. Carlos Vela just couldn't corral the ball. And then we get to play our favorite game in the 77th minute. Of course, name that Perez and Philly. Which one is our Perez today? It's interesting that you're transitioning this over to me because this Perez went to your alma mater. Yes, Loyola Marymount University's and the Ontario Furies. Adrian Perez comes in for Ramirez in the 77th minute. And that was our third and final substitution of the game. Five minutes after that, we get into a situation where Seattle is awarded a corner kick. Ladero delivers a nice cross to Roman Torres, who heads the ball, but once again is saved by Tyler Miller. Oh, man. Tyler Miller definitely looked a little sharp. I mean, not a lot of teams score against us. Tyler Miller looks bored half of the time of the game, but it's nice to see that he does pay attention despite not getting many shots on goal. And Seattle really didn't have that many shots on goal, but... Here's where things get really, really crazy. And I'm going to call this the 90th minute calamity. I have no clue how the heck we survived that moment. If God were to choose an MLS team, he clearly chose LAFC because how we got away with not having Seattle score is beyond me. 
Yeah, the amazing part is there was that whole dust up there inside the box, 90th minute, Tyler Miller and Eddie Segura somehow able to keep out Brad Smith. You know, like I said, when we were talking about him in the opening, he played an incredible game from start to finish, played the entire, what, 90 plus, what, eight minutes, I think is what we had of stoppage after after the red card, which we'll talk about in just a second. But I mean, I'm not sure how they were able to keep Jordan Morris made that excellent run into Brad Smith. And Brad seemed like he sidestepped about three or four of our players. But right after that, after keeping that ball off the back line, Eddie Segura, the immediate counter from Eddie Segura to Carlos Vela to Diego Rossi. And all of a sudden, just outside the 18, Diego Rossi, he gets pulled down. And eventually, because of VAR, a great call, by the way, and a great job to go to VAR, Kevin Leardom gets the red card. So we're talking about a red in the 90th plus five. So we are already five minutes into what was supposed to be, I believe, four minutes of stoppage time. So we got a red in the 90th plus five. Unfortunately, nothing we could do with that ball. Carlos Vela had a free kick from just outside the 18, pushed it wide, and that would be the final whistle. A very, very frustrating 1-1 draw. And Philly, you know what? You had mentioned it before. You're talking about shots and shots on goal. Well, this game, we could not have dominated more in those two categories. Of course, look, we outshot them 21-5. to We only put, out of those 21, four on goal. Seattle was able to put three out of those five on goal. And of course, Christian Ramirez's ball over the crossbar from two feet away does not count as a shot on goal. And Philly, the other thing that I know you really wanted to mention was the possession because that was skewed heavily in LAFC's favor. Football is a very interesting game. Despite having possession of the ball 74% of the time to Seattle's 26, we still only managed a tie. 21 shots on goal, 5 on target. Seattle, 4 shots on goal, 3 on target. Another category, Seattle beat us in. Doubled us on fouls, 14-7. to We were tied in yellow cards. Seattle beat our butt in terms of red cards. Offsides, because we pressed the ball a heck of a lot more, because we possessed the ball a heck of a lot more, we had three against us. Corner kick, Seattle five, LAFC four. Saves, Stephen Fry with four to Tyler Miller's two and possessing the ball 74% of the time. Out shooting Seattle. Having a much better team on the pitch to still have this only result in a 1-1 tie is frustrating. I mentioned earlier in the podcast that playing in the clink is tough. They have a very, very good fan base. I mean, there were 35, 36,000 fans in attendance. We did bring an awful lot of fans to Seattle, and I loved seeing our entry. I think it was LAFC Soccerheads Instagram, in which I saw the 3252 roll up into the clink. Gave me goosebumps, even at Iron Triangle. But look, we're not going to win every game. We're not going to play well every game. We're bound to like hit some type of a trough. If you look at economy scales, look, there's expansion, there's contractions, there's troughs, there's rises, all kinds of things. We didn't play the best game that we played, but still a point is a point, and I'm happy to walk out of Seattle still being undefeated against the Sounders. Yeah, you know, Seattle almost stole it from us right there at the end, like we had mentioned. So that would have been the icing on the cake of what would have been a very, very frustrating game. Look, if you look at all the numbers on paper, yeah, LAFC dominated. 
nothing to hang our heads about because we created, I would love to see, and I, I've got to Google this, I'll look at the number of chances created, but I would love to see our number of chances created. It was absolutely incredible. We were just throwing players forward. We had several different opportunities throughout each time we possessed the ball. Very few bad giveaways by our team. The second half, look, we passed we a lot better. had one really bad giveaway, though, Scarfy. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. But if you look at the second half, we're looking at much crisper passing, much better balls being played through the box, much better balls being played to the outside. I think Lee Wynn had a lot to do with that. And look, I also want to give a little bit of credit to Adrian Perez. He had a couple of great runs in there. Obviously, they they put him in to keep him pushing forward, keep him pushing forward, put another offensive player in the box. We know he can score from his time with the Ontario Fury, but playing in Citizens Business Bank Arena in Ontario is a little bit different than playing at CenturyLink Field in Seattle, Washington for an MLS team. And look, I know that they didn't quite put out their best squad, but we're talking about professionals. And at some point, I think Seattle just started to grit their teeth and try to come away with that 1-1 tie while still trying to be as offensively minded as possible. It's not the result that anybody wanted. Points on the road are great, but I won't act like this was a good tie or a good point that we held on the road. This was something that where we could have easily made it three points on this game. And, you know, the frustrating part is if you look at our standings, we're not yet clear of that team in Carson. It does help us out a little bit when it comes to Seattle. But when you talk about away goals, you know, Seattle scored one away goal. We scored one away goal. So nothing really changing there. We did win the season aggregate 5-2, which I, I guess that's something. But... Not clear of Seattle, not clear of Carson in the standings. This would have been nice to pick up the three, but look, enough about the Seattle game. We'll put it in the rearview mirror. A little frustrated in our last three games. We've only been able to capture four points, but I'll take the nice four win over Seattle, and we will go from there. And actually, where we are going from there, Philly, will be to our tailgate against Chicago. I'm really excited about that game. The German in me is super pumped to see Bastian Schweinsteiger, but we'll talk about our tailgate in just a moment because Scarfy and I need a quick break from this game recap. So stick around. We have one last segment to talk about, and that's the tailgate that we're going to have again with Riley's Brewing May 4th against the Chicago Fire. Hang on one second. We will be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Riley's Brewing in Madera, California, and Riley's Brew Pub in Clovis, California. Riley's Brewing, featuring craft brews, hard sodas, and spirits, a veteran-owned brewery in beautiful Central California, and a great fan of Defenders of the Bank podcast as well. Again, this podcast sponsored by Riley's Brewing in Madera, California. You can check them out at www.rileysbrewing.com and soon you'll be able to order beer from Riley's and pick it up at the official Defenders of the Bank tailgate. Once again, thank you to our sponsor, Riley's Brewing. All right, welcome back to the final segment of Defenders of the Bank with Philly and the Scarf. You are listening to episode 20. We're calling it Seattle's Grunge. 
We're playing the Chicago Fire on May the 4th, which happens to be Star Wars Day. Now, Scarf and I and Panda and Scarfette are going to be out there with our canopy, representing wholeheartedly the black and gold, but we're also going to be wearing Star Wars outfits. Panda and I are going to be rolling around with our custom Stormtrooper outfits. I'm really curious to see if Scarf Vader makes a presence out there, <laughs> and I'm wondering what Scarfette is going to dress up as. But yeah, we are still going to be tailgating, and Scarf, why don't you let our listeners know what we're doing on May the 4th. Yeah, we're really excited to be hosting another tailgate. And this one should be fun because May 4th is actually an LAFC official tailgate out there at Christmas Tree Lane, which means they'll be set up with Heineken and usually some of our wine sponsors will be out there. A lot of great activities. I know McDonald's usually likes to set up. ESPN LA is usually out there. Lots of great things in the official LAFC tailgate, but that's on the southern half of the field not the northern half of the field. The northern half of the field, that's where the 3252 like to take over all the different supporters groups. And then at the tail end of that, if you look next to where Cuervos and the Tigers usually set up, you will see the official Defenders of the Bank canopy. We are very excited to be partnering once again with Riley's Brewing. You all loved the Sancha Honey Blonde Ale so much that they specially bottled for us in our last tailgate, of course, going through 480-plus beers brought to us by Amanda McNook of Riley's Brewing. Again, thank you so much for a great first official tailgate. But here we are coming up on May the 4th, Star Wars Day. We will have our very own kegs this time. I believe it's also of Sancha Honey Blonde Ale, correct, Philly? You are absolutely correct, but that's not the only beer that we're going to have. Riley's is launching a pale ale, a New England pale ale for that matter, called All That Glitters. It hits the shelves in Northern California on May the 6th. But as mentioned in the previous podcast, you, the LAFC fans, are going to be the first group of people that are actually going to get to try and buy the All That Glitters New England pale ale. There are going to be the defenders of the bank, the huge tailgates that we do, like at the Galaxy game, where, of course, we will have another probably 480 beers or so to give away to all of our friends of the podcast. This time, it's going to be a little different, however. We're not always given the beer by Riley's Brewing. Sometimes we purchase it at a very, very cost-effective price so that we are able to pass the savings on to you. That's right. What we are going to be doing at the Defenders of the Bank official tailgate, we are going to be selling cups, not beer, but cups, for $5. That cup may or may not eventually get filled with beer, but we are going to be selling the cups for $5. You can walk around with your gold or black Defenders of the Bank sticker on the bottom cup, and you can come back for another beer later if you want. It'll be nice. It'll be $5 for the cup. Come by a couple of times if you'd like. Come hang out with us. And again, if you follow us on Instagram, you guys know we like to do a giveaway. We are doing another giveaway here at this tailgate for the game on May the 4th. We are going to be giving away that sweet new LAFC, the first five years book that they are going to be selling beginning April 29th at the team store, LAFC headquarters. If you head down there on April 29th, I believe it's from 7 to 9 p.m. I'll have to double check that time on Instagram. 
They are going to be having a Q&A with Tom Penn and John Thorington. That's right. The president of LAFC and the general manager of LAFC are going to be there at LAFC headquarters for this special launch of the book. I believe it's called The Beginning, The First Five Years. And it's an incredible book. The season ticket holders, some of them anyway, were able to get a free book from the club for being season ticket holder members. Well, we are going to be giving one of those books away. But what we have decided for this tailgate here on May the 4th, it is going to be a Twitter drive this time. That's right. If you show us that you follow us on Twitter at Defend the Bank. That's right. We are at Defend the Bank on Twitter. The reason why we're not Defenders of the Bank on Twitter is because apparently that's too many characters to fit in your Twitter name, or else we would have at Defenders of the Bank. But we don't. We're on Twitter at at Defend the Bank. If you show us that you follow us on Twitter, we will give you a raffle ticket. You'll fill it out with your name and phone number on the back of it. And at the end of our tailgate, we will do a instagram live and of course we will tweet out the name of the winner if you put your name there as well so it'll be a twitter drive on may the 4th to win that beautiful hardcover lafc the beginning book we will have cups for sale for five dollars we should still have plenty of our pins available as well for five dollars we did i believe sell through our scarves but if you are interested in a defenders of the bank scarf and you weren't able to get one for twenty dollars last time at the official tailgate hit us up via private message at defenders of the bank on instagram and we'll try and get another order in as soon as we can we will hold one for you if you message us at defenders of the bank on instagram if you'd like a scarf we may also have some extra stickers some new things that we've got planned and in the works so really excited for the may the 4th tailgate chicago fire and it's also going to be an official lafc tailgate so there'll be plenty of people that don't normally come out to a tailgate which will be fun may the fourth be with you scarf mentioned that we're going to be selling cups for five dollars get you some more of that delicious riley's beer and look if we were made of money which unfortunately we are not we would hand you guys free beer all the time. We're going to do it again, as Scarf mentioned, against the Galaxy. But we want to promote Riley's, and we want to obviously help keep our finances in control. So swing by our canopy, Christmas Tree Lane, May 4th. We're going to probably be there around, what, 10 o'clock, would you say, Scarf? 10 o'clock. We got there bright and early last time to set up. It was about 8.30 or so. This time, someone's going to have to make like an Egg McMuffin run or something, though, before we uh, we do all that. But And a Red yeah. Bull run, because our game isn't until after 7 o'clock, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. That's a long day. That's all right. It's worth it. It's for LAFC. So we love our again, club. Come hang out at the tailgate Defenders of the Bank. And that is about it, I believe, for episode 20 of our podcast. Hey, the fun part is next episode, our podcast will be able to drink 21. Legally, yes, it is. And we are flying through these shows. Again, we listen to the fans. That's why we cut out the birthday segments. If there's anything that you want to hear, or if you actually like the birthday segment, let us know. We're very approachable. A lot of you have been DMing us. A lot of you have been meeting us at the tailgates. We certainly love meeting new people. We certainly love seeing familiar faces. We appreciate all of your support, and we look forward to seeing you on May the 4th 
at Christmas Tree Lane, the tailgate against the Chicago Fire. It'll also be the day before Cinco de Mayo, so we're going to be partying for a multitude of reasons. But on May the 4th, we're going to be pregame partying because we're going to witness our boys put out the fire on May the 4th. But yes... Episode 20 is concluded. We're going to end this the same way we went every episode. Scarf, bye-bye.